guys and today we have a very very special episode because not only is it me Circa and Sinead Hello. we have a very very special guest with us that we're absolutely delighted to have with us is our good friend DJ hello there that feels very special now actually you are very special you were our first ever guest to have on the podcast oh. so you were very very special yeah, <laughs> it would have been really and, uh, nice to, it, it would have been really nice if we could have done this in the bunker but um obviously we can't so we are doing a three-way conversation over skype and just praying that the audio is not going to cut out so what makes this what makes this episode very special as well as having dj is it is about animal crossing so before we get into it would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself dj yeah, of course. Uh, well, as Eric already um, introduced there, my name is DJ, or Derek, whichever you remember, and I am basically a massive nerd and a little bit of a weeb because I've been kind of down the Japanese language hole for a decade now, actually. I did my whole degree in it. I also did French. I did translation and I did um, languages and culture. And for the past three years there, I was actually working in Hokkaido, which is the northern island of Japan as a coordinator for international relations, which is a very fancy title, for translator and um, sort of professional foreigner, basically. <laughs> so what I was doing was basically introducing Ireland to Japan and stuff. So, so I've transcended weed status because I've been to the motherland. So you're no, uh, you're now officially otaku. You can have that little on your lapel. <laughs> I'm allowed. I am permitted. <laughs> so this is your podcast podcast episode about Animal Crossing. So what is your theory, DJ? So as I said, I'm really into mythology, and I really love it. And as I was playing Animal Crossing, some little things started to kind of click for me. And it started making me thinking that the world of Animal Crossing, your town or your island, is basically the spirit world. And that you are a child which has, in some shape and form, found their way into the spirit world. Okay. A little like spirited away, if that makes any sense. Mm. Either you've died or you've kind of like gone past the veil and you are now in the world of spirits. We're now basically taking care of you. Because mm. there has been an awful lot of Animal Crossing games. Like it started on the GameCube. And, yes, uh, it did. Then there yeah. was a few games on the DS, like there was New Leaf and there was the City one, and then the new one, yeah, that was the, uh, came the out New Horizons on the Twitch, and there was Wild World as well on the, the DS. And, and there was even that, the yeah. mobile version game as well. Pocket Camp. There was, yeah, yeah. Pocket Camp. Yeah, Pocket Camp, which is adorable. <laughs> that is a time sink and a half. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> All the marks. So, so yeah, so that's the thing. When I was looking into it, like all these little things kind of started to kind of click. Like, for example, when you go into the world, like when you start an Animal Crossing game, mm-hmm. you know, like with normal RPGs, you always have like, you are X sort of secret spy or uh, anthropologist or you are whatever, you know, your backstory is always kind of laid out either at the start or as you progress in the game. In Animal Crossing, you've no backstory. You just kind of start. You're a blank slate. I mean, pretty much, yeah. And then also when you look at the start of the game as well, like like the GameCube, I remember you meet KK in a darkened room, which sounds a bit terrifying, but he's yeah. having a rusty pipe, I swear. He just has his guitar. Um, but he's kind of like playing and telling you about like, you know, moving on and moving on to a new part of your life and setting afresh and all this kind of stuff and... Honestly, in my view, I think KK is like a death god. <laughs> so like the Grim Reaper that takes your soul. I think so. I think, I don't even know if he's like kind of that. I think he's like the gatekeeper. Because I'm thinking like, um, the thing that is like Animal Crossing is super international. Right? Yeah. You get things yeah. from all over the world. And that's another thing I think. I'll come back to that in a little bit actually. As to why this might make sense. But I think he might be in some way, KK might be in some way related to the Egyptian god Anubis. Hmm. He was the gatekeeper of um, the underworld and the um, the afterlife, basically. The Wayne um, Souls was Anubis, wasn't it? He had a Wayne scale. Yeah. yeah, and he was in front of the gates, and he was the one that met you. I think Rover is actually what's called a psychopath. 
which I think you might have a bit of an idea because you did some Greek mythology, didn't you? Yes. Um, yes. The psychopompus who brings you to the spirit world of the afterlife, basically. And also, if you notice, like everything that you're doing when you're going into it, you're always on a mode of transport, mm. like on a train uh, or like a boat, a bus, a cab. Uh, you're always like this, this movement into the world, basically. And also, like trains, actually, in Japanese literature have been like constantly used as a metaphor for like the spirit world or like death. Like I know Final Fantasy VI had the ghost train. Uh, Old yeah. Garden was another one that had like the oh, death yes. train. Oh yes, yes. The, and the, the train was a constant reminder of like the movement into the spirit world, all this kind of stuff. And also, even actually, when you think of the driver of some of the stuff, like uh, in Wild World and City Folk, Kappen. Kappen is a kappa, by the way. If you didn't know this, and the kappa are like these mythological creatures that basically live in ponds and bodies of water. What they're known for basically sort of grabbing you and taking you into, um, either taking you into the pond or sometimes even taking you into the spirit world. And they're supposed to be heavily related to desire as well. Like if you've been a very wanting person that they can steal your heart and your desires and things like that. And yes, you do tend to, uh, if you've been a bad person, you're more likely to get kidnapped by a kappa. Yep, there is that actually. But I think actually this, this kappa has been, or kappa and kappa has actually been uh, kind of tamed a little bit. Mm. <laughs> he seems a bit nicer. There is also the whole thing. Sings you the song. <laughs> yeah, he does. So there is a kind of thing where they actually try and steal your soul to your prostate. Um, but that's a whole there other a, thing. <laughs> there is a fantastic anime about that, actually. <laughs> you can Google that on your own but, uh, time. It's uh, Sasanaramai. That's basically about Kappa's stealing your balls. <laughs> it's very it's good it. if you ever do want to watch it. Oh, it is a glorious hot mess. It's, it's brilliant. I, I would I would just say to be very very careful about what you Google um, in this respect. Try and Google the actual anime and not just the random words and hope yes. for the best. Like a thing for mythology in Japan, but that's said that's a theory for another day. Because um, technically, Tanuki uh, like Tanuki Tamnok is kind of like. You know, a thing. Um, oh, yeah. But, but, yeah, so, like, you're always in this, like, a movement into it. And there's this big thing about you, like, you set yourself up. Because there's also a thing about um, when you enter the spirit world, particularly in Japanese mythology, that you kind of lose a part of yourself. Mm. If you remember in Spirit Away, this actually, I, I will uh, mention Spirit Away a lot because it does pull a lot from Japanese mythology. Jihiro actually starts losing her memories. Yeah, she does. She loses part she of her loses name. She loses her name. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. She starts forgetting who she was as a human as she integrates more in. And that's kind of the thing I think like Grover and KK are trying to like bring you back a little bit when they ask you, oh, like what type of personality do you have? So they're kind of trying to trigger that back. Well, what's your name? Like, what's your birthday? Kind of thing. Exactly. They're trying to make you remember. Because the thing about it is, I. I like to think that, as I said, you're a child. And if you look at Japanese mythology, children have a very unusual place. They're kind of a bit special. And a lot of the spirits are very, uh, how would you put it? They're, they're, they're kinder to children. Mm. They kind of want, a lot of spirits actually protect children. There's a big thing about like spirits keeping children safe. But, like you see this in like Totoro. Yeah, they um, around the rice fields in Totoro, that they had the little spirit statues that were supposed to protect yes. there was yeah. a scene in Totoro uh, after May got lost and everybody was looking for her um, where she there, there was a scene where she was eventually kind of found sitting beside these statues and I think uh, somebody in an analysis of us said that this was a subconscious thing for the people watching the film, the, the Japanese public watching the film, that uh, these statues are traditionally protectors of children. So it was a subconscious sign that she was she was going to be okay, that she was never in any real yeah. danger. Yeah. It's kind of like if a character bursts into a church or like hides in a church, so you kind of have this like 
feeling that they're going to be okay because it's like consecrated or safe. It's a safe space. Sanctuary. And yeah, that, that kind of idea, yeah. And even as you look at actually like Totoro as well, coming from there, um, spirits are very drawn to innocence, particularly mm. children. Like Totoro immediately loves Mei and Satsuki. And he immediately wants to keep them safe. The cat bus also is a, another version of this as well. Where another like mode of transport. Another mode of transport. Yeah, transport is a huge thing in the Japanese spirit world. Um, because during the major period, there's a huge amount of refurbishment of the transport industry, especially trains and buses. And so they kind of got mythologized a little bit. Mm. Brought into mythology. And they became this like farrier of spirits. Like, you see this in um, the old... Uh, anime, uh, was it Galaxy Express Triple Nine? Is one example. Mm-hmm. Or um, also, you actually see it in like even video games like Grim Fandango. The train oh, yes. Life. Yeah. Trains are. It's always that liminal kind of liminality of like the, the transport. You know, in Persona. Like, we're moving from one to another. In Persona Five, all of the mementos was all supposed to be train tracks, and you were in a bus mm-hmm. as well. In a. Isn't, isn't that like um, set like in Shinjuku and like Shinjuku <laughs> Station, like a massive part of that? Because you're moving within the station, and, and again, that liminal space. Yeah, that's no idea. Because uh, the whole of Mementos was supposed to be the underground subconscious of all of the the people that lived in Japan, so it would make sense that they all thought of it being a train station, an underground station. Yeah. Very cool. Pretty much, and that's kind of like that's kind of the thing. Like they mythologize the trains and things, and how they worked and what they were doing. And there's also this whole thing that, like in Japanese mythology, and you kind of see this in like Celtic and the Irish side of things. That and also Ainu is another one actually, because I was in Hokkaido where the Ainu are indigenous people there, and they have this idea that the spirit world is not so much disconnected kind of almost overlays a little bit or it's kind of like a veil to pass through you know that kind mm. of like you see this with um, the concept of Tyr Nog but technically if you pass through the veil with magic you get into Tyr Nog uh, or if you go through the mounds kind of idea you'll get into it but still heavily connected and in Japanese and Ainu um, the idea that the spirit world kind of overlays our own a little bit it's mm. kind of a thing um, so in, sorry, sorry, but the, this is actually kind of ground that we did cover in previous episodes as well. That um, you know, we well we've referred to them as kind of eldritch locations where they sort of phase in and out mm. of reality. Um, so it is very yeah, cross cultural. It, it is a little like that. Yeah, no, it is. It's a huge thing. Like we always do. The only you said the eldritch kind of thing when you think about like you kind of. Like the room of requirement-y kind of thing, where like or the black lodge as you do it. Black lodge, mm. yeah. Things like that, yeah. So usually when we like d- of like... yeah, usually when we discuss it, it ends up being something kind of sinister, but it, it's actually quite a benign <laughs> thing, really. Finds cute and cuddly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cuddly. Uh, in particular, actually, you see, um, like, I'm bringing it back to Animal Crossing. How this might actually factor in. So if you look at like Celtic mythology and Japanese mythology, that mm-hmm. these spirit world areas are very like verdant, green, beautiful, like uh, foresty kind of areas. Fruit go- grows ridiculously quick. <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing. Like for example, if you look at Tirnamo, right, the land of Neon, um, it's always bountiful of harvest, no matter the season. It's always beautiful summer. There's always a harvest. There's always like something to eat, uh, fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, all this kind of stuff. And the Japanese spirit world as well is kind of the same, that you see it as always verdant, it's always growing because of yeah. the powerful spiritual energy. Like you think of like uh, Mononoke, like the oh, forest yeah, yeah. where the, the spirits are, and that's kind of their liminal space. It's the forest. And when you actually think, because um, Animal Crossing, we know Animal Crossing, but in Japanese, it's called Dōbutsu no Mori, which basically means the animal forest. Aww. And that kind that of sounds so cute. <laughs> it does actually, but that also gives you kind of because animal animism and the sort of worship of animals as spirits and conveyors of the gods, effectively, 
is a very Japanese thing, and Ainu as well do it as well. Um, that basically the, their forests are where the spirits basically are. Uh, and that kind of idea that you're moving into the spirit forest, basically. Mm. That's kind of how that would, would connect in a lot of ways. So, yeah. And also, when you look at it as well, some of the characters even make sense to be um, like spirits as well. Like, you've got Tom Nook and Tanuki, mm-hmm. or Ed, uh, think it's a name. Uh, owls as well are very, um, are very in a lot of mythology about being harbingers of knowledge and they can also be warnings but they can also be like good omens as well because there's a lot of mythology that do involve elves as well and there, there's bladders and celeste <laughs> yes this is true actually yeah because i think actually bladders nothing i think actually what it is that it's kind of like a neil gaiman situation where all the mythologies do exist and they all kind of come together in this like hub world mm. so i think like bladders and celeste are actually western so you think about it, like their mothers is very Englishy. Yeah, um, the little bow tie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's adorable. Um, I think actually they're uh, Athena's owls. Yes, of course. Yeah. And also, when you look at where they always start off, they're always in the museum, a very Greco-Roman structure. It's got the columns. It's got like it's like the Parthenon, the Acropolis. Yeah, and it has the um. Oh, my architecture is failing me now, but it has the the top of the roof is in the triangle above the yes. above the columns. That's very Greek and Roman, actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my, knowledge of, my knowledge of architecture has just gone completely out of my head at the moment, but I remember studying it in art college, that it was a very significant thing to have on a building because it's supposed to represent, like, uh, the Parthenon and the, the knowledge and that, uh, the actual sort of triangle. Like the, the glory of the gods and all this kind of stuff. And, and also, if you look at it as well, like we associate that with Parthenon, the Acropolis, which is mm. a, which actually is a temple to Athena, by the way. Uh, one little Just point. Athens, which is city. Sorry, one little point there is uh, Celeste, actually, when you talk to her after you've gotten some stars, she does talk to you about the constellations, and they're pretty much all based yeah. around Greek mythology. Yeah, yeah. The, the Greek constellation, the Greek zodiac, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, it's the big thing. She's also a bit salty about Zeus when I am. We do not go like, crap on Zeus enough. Um, but she does. Um, but that's the thing, yeah, like she talks about the Greek zodiac and um, things like that. Uh, and also, like, that's, as you can see with the architecture as well, like, why we've always made universities and museums in this style, because we associate them with Athena, basically, of knowledge, these centres of learning and knowledge. That's the same for Blathers and Celeste, basically. And even if you pull, like... Oh, what? Sorry. In America, as well, the universities, they have the fraternities, which are, like, the Alpha, Omega, Beta House, and stuff like that. That's all based on the the alphabet, the Greek alphabet, as well, yeah. It is, yeah. So we pull that a lot. And, like, you don't see it in other characters as well. Like, as I said with Tom Nook, and Timmy yeah. and Tommy, they're Tanukis, basically. It's stated very clearly in it. And their um, their names in Japanese are Tanukichi and Namikichi. And uh, I can't remember what the third one is. But they're all these kind of the base around Tanukis, basically. And yeah. this actually explains how you might be in the spirit world. Because, you know, like your furniture, it always is in a form of a leaf. Mm. And then when you pop it out of your pocket, it just like poofs into the, the item. That's actually a thing pulled directly from mythology. That oh. Tanukis are powerful illusionists. Right? And what they can do is they can gather up sticks and stones and loose bits of metal. Sound familiar? Yeah. And leaf. And basically they can pull them together, pull them in, and create elaborate illusions. Which and these aren't just like illusions that you pass through. These are solid illusions that you can touch it. You can see it, you can smell it, like they'll make food, they'll make um, buildings, they'll make items, they can even make gold, actually. And the fox is the same, red, for example, is a kitsune spirit. That's and they can do the same kitsune. thing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that actually also even suits as well when you think about it. I actually argue, because a lot of people think of Tom Nook as like the gangster or the mob boss coming to take <laughs> your kneecap if you don't pay her loan. 
the thing about it is actually like tanuki are known in the mythology to be gold obsessed they yeah. love it because it's glittery and shiny right they're intelligent but they're still animals they like shiny things um but they've no concept of the gold of what it's worth to be honest because it's just shiny they don't they're animals they don't really need money um but the thing is actually tanuki are well known for being good luck symbols and yeah. being symbols of prosperity and good business and they're also protective deities they keep um people safe they keep businesses safe and in the island of shikoku sometimes actually they even have the ability to protect children oh that would make a lot of sense so what i think actually is is that your town or island has a tom nook right there's many a tom nook which oversees it and makes sure you're safe effectively and they always have a red effectively as well a cock spirit just to make sure everything goes okay as well and keep kind of track of things but he's a bit wily he has a bit of fun with it <laughs> And this also makes sense when you think of the mythology because these aren't singular entities. Like when we think of the gods or divinities, we think of like Zeus as a singular entity or Odin as a singular entity. But the Tanuki and the Kitsune and even like Athena's owls are species. There's multiple of them. There are many. <laughs> exactly. And that's why they're always the same. I think things like Tom Nook or Red or Blathers or Celeste are not actually their names but maybe their professions. Mm. It's like with Isabella as well Isabella being a dog a dog's come up and off not in Irish mythology. It's being um like for example. Yeah, they tend to be um like Cucullin his mythology was very heavily based around dogs as well. They were supposed to be like symbols of power and symbols of like um That's how we got the thing. Yeah. They killed the hound of Colin. Because Ku so, means hound or like dog. And he killed because he was called Satanta and he changed that name to do that. So um, it would make for, a lot of sense. So I'm so sorry. It would make a lot of yeah. sense and for Isabel to be a dog then because she does an awful lot of the organizing and the making sure everything runs in order like she if you have a problem with a resident you go to her when right. dogs in mythology are usually symbols of power and a lot of kings had dogs a lot of like if you wanted something done correctly it would be a dog spirit kind of thing so that would make sense for Isabel and they round up stuff as well like when you think of like the Irish mythology as well they're always constantly rounding up animals and keeping them safe like sheep they're also very protective like as i was saying that kushi for example stays around uh, graveyards for mm. english listeners uh, or british listeners they may know it as the grim yeah they protect graveyards they protect the dead hint hint um <laughs> that could also be another connection for her also when you think of her breed because in Japanese she's called Shizune, which is the reference to her breed as being a Shitsu. And Shitsu, actually, I think, I may be wrong here, but they're actually based on, or they are the inspiration for, like, the, the line dog, which are powerful, protective creatures in Chinese mythology. Yes! Yeah, actually. And another thing, and even actually, like I said, if you pull from other characters, like, you've got down the Able Sisters. As well about hedgehogs. <laughs> and hedgehogs are also powerful um, creatures in Slavic and Eastern European mythology, like Lithuanian, Polish, and other like um, Ukrainian, I think Belarusian as well. They're seen as hardworking, intelligent, and sort of like protectors of nature mm. as well. And that kind of thing. So there's another, like, again, this is kind of very multicultural world. And like another example as well of where I really think this is them trying to protect you as a child, effectively, is they make the world as much as they can the human world, but they don't quite do it perfectly. Or I call it actually a close but no cigar. Where like, for example, um, Tom Nook, right, he takes the place of your landlord. Because probably your mum and dad would have a house. And they might talk about their landlord they pay so he does the same thing but he's an animal 
She doesn't quite understand the concept that, yes, I'll give you a loan that you pay, but there's no interest rate, no time frame, no repossession, all this kind of stuff. And even if it was based on, like, the Japanese yen, the amount that you get as a loan is so small. Like, yeah. if, say, one million yen would be maybe 10,000, but you'd have an entire house for that, and... Exactly. It's so I also small we can considering. Make it here overnight. Yes. I just here overnight. So, oof, here's a house. Have that. Um, but that's another example. Yeah, he doesn't have a concept of it. And also, if you look at the holidays as well, they're yeah. all super close approximations of our holidays, but with a very from an animal's perspective. Palm also, trees. you could actually argue. <laughs> you could also kind of argue that the world is based on a child's perspective. Because spirits are empaths, they can read into you. And they're probably seeing from a child's perspective. Like, the Animal Crossing version of Christmas is Toy Day. A child yeah. sees the toys. The animals see the reindeer. Uh, Bunny Day. The child sees the chocolate eggs. And the animals see the bunny, or the rabbit. So that's where kind of the they're kind of pulling from you effectively to try and create this world that you That's kind of know what isn't quite it's basically from your perspective as a child that would make a lot of sense as well for sorry for red whenever you buy paintings off them they're never said what paintings they are it's always like oh starry painting or like yeah. oh, the common painting and that they're just very generic names for very famous paintings like the exactly. Star one is or like yeah, the starry one I think is Van Gogh. Yeah, or twinkling, the twinkling painting. It's it's like they know very, what it should look like, but not what it's called, kind of thing. Exactly. Those are very giddy kind of descriptions mm. of these things. Like if you put like Van Gogh's painting in front of it and say, Oh like how what would you call this? I'd probably call it like starry or twinkly or something they would put this kind of name to it or like yeah. the Mona Lisa, they probably might call it famous or like common or well known because they've probably seen it in books or uh, cartoons. Like it's a constant thing. Like, that works also really another well. Example, <laughs> another example as well is actually that all the villagers are um, very childlike. Mm. All their interests are super kiddy. They love like catching bugs and catching fish, which are super common Japanese. Uh, hobbies for kids. Uh, yeah. There's one example, and also their furniture. Like there's a whole kitty set which certain animals go mental over. Yeah. Uh, you know, like um, even actually you can kind of sort of connect the personalities a little bit. You know that kind of way, uh, where like the lazy or the jock or the um, the peppy villagers are kind of like you know. It's it's the one-dimensional way that uh, kids tend to see people, isn't it? You know, and that yeah, you know, yeah. you're me- somebody's mean to them once, and they sort of, you know, that's the mean person kind of thing. Yeah, they're cranky. Uh, <laughs> or if someone's just like kind of maybe bigger, or like eats a lot, or doesn't do a lot, they're lazy. Or if they're constantly, you know, very fit and active, they're a jock. Or you know, it's that as you said, it's a very one-note one-dimensional view like everything in the game is based on that so that's kind of where they're basically as the spirits are pulling from you and then creating this grand you know playground basically for you i think one thing that i find really funny about the villager like the villagers on my island is Whenever I see them, sometimes that like they're carrying around the the vacation juice. I think they call it, um, yeah. which is like, like the PG cocktail. That's just like as a kid, you'd have no concept that you know there's anything especially fun about that drink. You'd just think that somebody's carrying a colorful drink. So yeah, vacation juice. Yeah, you can just see the colors. It looks pretty. Yeah, and you probably also as you said the vacation, they probably seen their parents drink like a rosa. On holiday, yeah, or like a cocktail on holiday. It's like, oh, that's what we drink on vacation. You know, that kind of that's where they're pulling that. Yeah, yeah, it's really so, funny. 
most of my villagers just do that little Naruto run around like <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have like settled and do that, yeah. I actually I keep getting choirs actually performing in my village. Yes. Oh lucky. Um I have Eugene on my island and every single time I pass by his house he's just out there singing for some reason. <laughs> yeah, they, they just congregate my town hall and just start like singing. Or my residence services, sorry. Uh, and start singing. It's great. It's really adorable if you put like a really slow or kind of like moody song on that just like slowly like whirl it out. It's great. <laughs> so um, another thing that actually came into my head there as as we were talking about like um, in Animal Crossing the way you communicate with other people is through posts as well which would actually lend itself very well to the theory because you wouldn't use a telephone until like New, New Horizons, but a lot of the times there was things like spirit letters. You'd get received mm-hmm. messages from the dead and stuff. It would make very sense that there would be the communication you do mostly would be through post. Actually, it's a really sad thing as well that kind of hits. You get letters from your mother. Yeah. Oh, and she um, like sends you a little back. Yeah, prepare to cry. I actually think that the mother is putting offerings to. So in Japan, there's a thing called the Butsudan, which is basically this um, indoor Buddhist grave slash shrine to those who have died in the family, both ancestors and more modern. And continuously, they will put offerings of food. Or favorite items, like if it's uh, your granddad, you might put a pack of cigarettes or some whiskey that he liked. Uh, for kids, they often put little sweets, or they might put a favorite item a child liked. Things like Pokemon, they might put some cards on it. It's like, like one that. of the first items you get from your mother is like food. It's fruit. Yep. Especially looking like oranges and apples. Yeah, they give that a lot. Because uh, actually, the thing in Chinese and Japanese mythology is that, in a lot of ways, um, the afterlife is just a continuation of life, but on a different plane. So you still need stuff to keep you going. So I think actually what your mother is doing is putting votive messages and items, which then are picked up by spirits. Because spirits can move between the worlds very easily. So what they're doing is they're picking up these little offerings and bringing them to you by a post. <laughs> that is just so sweet. The, the thought of that. Your poor mommy. It's it's bittersweet. Yeah, it is really sad, actually. It really is. Um, yeah. Sorry, it really does. It really does lend itself to the idea, though, that it is a spirit plane because your villagers can come and go. Like, they could turn around and be like, oh, I want to move. But you never get the option to move. You are stuck on that island. And it's like the Hotel California. You can always check in, but you can never leave. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Like, you can have a villager come up to you and be like, oh, I, I've decided to move move away to start a new life. And that, that could be the spirit going off to another part of the world or to be reborn or whatever but you're stuck on that island and you never get that option to move to another island not until exactly. a new game yeah, comes out always going to be there. well with that <laughs> but you start as a whole new person yeah reincarnation cycle maybe you know that may, maybe you're just a very unfortunate <laughs> child that you just keep dying like those kids from Apaches Oh, <laughs> I know. Um, I, I was getting well, I mean, it wouldn't be my podcast if it didn't get really dark. Now would it? Um, <laughs> um, but what do not getting for horror? <laughs> It'll just go really dark. Well, um, what? one thing I wanted to talk about actually is um the actual dangers that you have on the island, which are not that dangerous at all. The you know the tarantula, the scorpion, and the the wasps. Yeah, so minor mishaps really, yeah. but the closest you get to any actual peril in the game. Yeah, and even after that, they don't kill you. A scorpion is 
lethal. And it, by the looks of the scorpion in the game, it is one of the lethal varieties. It's and a giant! Like, <laughs> it is, like... And I also like another thing as well, if you look at, like, the... Throughout the ecology of the island, or the town, as I said, as you mentioned before, the fruit trees are always in season. No matter what, like, if you snow on the ground, you still get oranges. Yeah. Um, and your flowers are always in bloom. And you can catch, like, any fish in the world, both tropical and, like, Arctic or, like, more Atlantic. Uh, like, they just randomly catch more fish and kind of crap yourself slightly because it's like, dear God. Um, <laughs> that's what I... Um, yes was not the, the word I said when I first got more fish. Uh, <laughs> I think we'd have to donkey noise that one. <laughs> we'd say what I said when I saw the oarfish. Um, but that's the thing, like, the animals that you catch or the insect and the fish, like, that's not normal, you know, in a way? No. Like, the, the ecology doesn't work in a normal way, but it would work perfectly for the spirit world, which just kind of works on its own logic. As well, when you miss, if you have a net and you're trying to catch a bug and you miss, the the bug doesn't stay there. It literally just fades away. Yeah, it just disappears, yeah. Which I feel actually might be kind of like the illusion breaking cycle. It's gone off to the other plane. <laughs> exactly. Because that's the thing, I think like a lot of the stuff, as I said, he is a creation of your Tom Nook, basically. He has, with help from Timmy and Tommy, created this whole world for you, basically. Just to be safe and be happy and give a little bit of solace. Mm. It does. It's a much, much nicer theory than people saying that he's in the mafia and he's going to break your knees. I'd much like to see him more as a protective, <laughs> protective figure. I feel what it really is is that, like, unfortunately, some cultural context got lost, a little bit lost in translation, because he's just a raccoon in uh, the English version, which raccoons are known for, like, the trash pandas, basically. Um, <laughs> But, yes, the Tanuki in Japanese mythology are these powerful, protective spirits, you know, that can do quite a lot, and, like, they keep businesses going and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think one of the other ones is you get to pick what island you go to. You know, when you sign into New Leaf, or not New Leaf, New Horizons for the first time, you actually get to pick the layout of your island. Yeah, actually, what I think it is that, like, this has been a long-running thing in the spirit world and they're slowly getting better at it. So the GameCube is just kind of like the start of it. It's like, oh, we, we need to put them somewhere. Let's quickly put together a town over all the glitches that happen. And then you go into like Wild World and City Folk. It gets more and more sophisticated. Like in um, Wild World, the town is a bit more put together. Uh, it's also walled off, if you notice, in Wild World. Yeah. And then in City Folk, uh, they've got town now. We've made a city for you with shops that so you can go to and you can buy stuff. Do all this stuff. New Leaf makes it even more. You can now alter your world. You can add to it. You can put things into it that it works on and stuff. And then New Horizons, again, you get to pick the island that you go to. You can terraform it and change it and kind of make it your own a little bit. You can make feel more homely. You can make exactly. it exactly the way you want it to be. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like they're getting more sophisticated in this system, basically. But how would we explain when people come over to your island? I think it's basically that they probably assume that, oh, the human might get lonely. Why don't we invite the friends over? Invite some other people that have recently deceased. <laughs> and if you notice as well, like you can't just walk to somebody's island. You always mm. just take a mode of transport. A train, a bus, a cab, an airplane. You always have to move via some form of transport. And when you go like, over to somebody else's island, when you go over to somebody else's island, their Isabel won't know who you are, their Tom Nook won't know who you are. You're just another visitor. Exactly. They're very happy to see you, but they're a completely different Tom Nook. They're a completely different Timmy and Tommy and Isabel and all these characters. Just, as I said, they're part of the species. 
they're not the singular character. I love it. <laughs> uh, one thing I was this kind has actually of... been one of my favorite <laughs> Uh, one one thing I was kind of wondering actually is um, if the animals that pop up because you can get dogs, cats, hamsters, all those kind of things, are they maybe your childhood pets that uh, deceit were predeceased um, of you? Because I think one real formative experience for most children is uh, death of the family pet. Mm, yeah, actually, that would make a lot of sense. Like, that's also the reason why they kind of grow to love you so much especially with the dogs and the cats like dogs and cats I think have the most amount of like Peppy and the what's called Uchi or Big Sister kind of personalities I want to know know what person had a pet anteater (laughs) (laughs) we all knew that one weird kid yeah, you know, I, I mean, know Salvador Dali had a pet anteater. But... <laughs> well, maybe you were just a kid that you know had like a hyper fixation on one particular species of animal, and it was one that you saw at the zoo a lot whenever you visited the zoo. I mean, those animals pass away someday as well, so you know. Also, I said you also don't even know actually a different cult. Like we're looking at it from a very Irish perspective, where like dogs and cats are the and hamsters are the primary pets, but. You never know what other countries could be like. Yeah. True, tigers. Joe Exotic has all the mm. tigers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's a big thing as well. Is that like, this is a very international game. I think New Horizons is the most international game. Yeah. And that's why I think they're getting more sophisticated. Like With the original, like the GameCube world, they can only create so much based purely off this one character. Mm. This one poor human but now they've had so many from all these different cultures they can kind of pull what the children know of their culture their country especially when you look at like the cultural items or the cultural clothing yeah they're always very colorful versions of it i mean there's like one the fancy kimono yeah there, there's one cat who's like a power ranger isn't he there's a yeah. few actually. There's an entire set of them. I think there's five of them. You can get a raccoon, um, not a raccoon, um, a squirrel. You can get a monkey, and they're all in the Tokusatsu outfits. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's like a, that's kind of like a common thing, you know, like for kids to be into. And as I when you look at the the clothing that like you can buy as well. Mm. So if you look at things like the fancy kimono, that's very bright and colourful. And kind of looks like the type of thing you put a child into. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like it would be very stark I mean, red and pink and um, blue. In Japan, they've got like the Girls' Day Festival and they've got the um, 357 Festival for like boys and girls that are aged 3, 5, and 7, which are special numbers in Japan, where they dress them up in fancy kimonos. Mm. Which are very similar. And if you look at actually the kimono that you can buy, it's got the really long kind of sleeves. Which is actually for a young unmarried woman. Oh. Particularly young girls. Like Aww. teenagers. Or children. So it's again pulling from like what the kids have experienced and what they know of their world. Yeah, because de- depending on the persons you're kind of playing as, I mean, you get to choose all your characteristics and you can make your avatar look kind of like more childish or less childish. But they never really look like they're kind of above the age of seven, do they? No, they yeah, always look really very young. Short. Yeah, you're kind of shortish, and you've got like the very babyish face. Yeah. The nose, the little triangle. <laughs> and also, I love like when you're changing your clothes, you do all the little poses. It's like playing dress up. <laughs> yeah. You know, it really is. It's like a little kid playing dress up in their parents' wardrobes. You know, that kind of way. And, and even with, with Nook's Cranny as well, it does very much signal that you're definitely a child playing it because I don't know any other places that you'd be able to go into a shop and sell them a load of rubbish and like twigs and leaves and things like that and be able to get actual money back. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. like you can and sell that's nothing like even like Timmy and Tommy are playing. Yeah, like Timmy and Tommy are playing shop. 
Oh. Yeah, it is literally playing sharp. Yeah, they're, they're kind of doing that, like, um, yeah, basically. And then when you look at a lot of the, um, the furniture you can craft, mm-hmm. a lot of it is kind of like things kids would love, like you've got the log series, which sounds like that kind of road reminds you of camp. And, and that frog got, chair. Um, the frog yeah, chair. Yeah. Yeah, and like, and that's the thing. The villagers go mad on these things. Like, there's whole kiddie sets that you can make and you can buy, and yeah. or if you're a bit nerdy, you can go for like the, you know, the more elegant sets that maybe if you were like a nerdy child, you read a lot, you liked you know Victorian stuff. Mm. This is my excuse for my entire existence. But um, <laughs> anyway, I was I was a strange child. Um, I do you know also I think the Western style song. I, I think it's the nature of most children to be strange, though. I haven't been around many children myself. There, there's no normal children. All children no, are a little bit weird. I was going to say, you might know this more than any of us. <laughs> exactly. All children are a little bit weird. Yeah. And even actually when you look at it as well, um, like you're always kind of working for the spirits as well a little bit, which is a common thing in many mythologies that... There's kind of a hierarchy where each spirit has a role to play in their world. Mm. Um, you see this in spirited way in the bathhouse or um, in China, the, uh, the indigenous like religion besides Buddhism and uh, Confucianism and all that kind of stuff is actually, or Taoism I should say, is you've got the heavenly bureaucracy that no one has where all the spirits have a particular role they must fill in. Mm. And you have the same when you come to the town, like you work for Nook for a while in the shop, and then you kind of are caretaker of the town. Or you make the sure mayor. everything's tidied up, you pick the weeds, you make sure people yeah. are happy, and you welcome any new people that arrive and stuff. Exactly, yeah. So you're still doing a job, air quotes, uh, so you can stay in the spirit world and be safe, but also they're not going to overload you and stuff. You're not going And again, also take on uh, the mayor or the new game, you play um, resident representative. You're not I love that, though. It's like you're resident rep- representative, but you basically do everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know, like, children do love to be given jobs. You know, they love to feel like yeah. they're grown up and they're doing a thing. So, I mean, this is Healthy. also, yeah, it's it's Tom Nook's way of kind of saying to them, you're an important and valued member of our community in kind of a very safe, controlled yeah. environment. Exactly. Because, you know, he's not going to make a child, you know, I don't know, go, you know, into the depths of hell and take on a demon. He's like, no, no, you, you, you do the weeds. You're right. Yeah, they're not going to make you do taxes either. Like, do your tax returns. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. I don't think even Tom... That's why Tom Nook has such dark circles. He doesn't taxes. <laughs> <laughs> why did I do Okay, um, well, I think we're... Sorry, sorry, guy. I keep interrupting you in particular. I just said that there's nothing that really goes wrong in the Animal Crossing universe, though. It would make sense, but... Yeah, I'm done now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to say we're um, probably just about to wrap up now. Is there any closing statements you'd like to make on this very special episode? Animal Crossing has gotten me through most of the quarantine. It saved my soul from being very upset. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, that's cheaper therapy. <laughs> <laughs> um. I suppose I, I can say that uh, true to form, I'm trying to make my island into, I'm trying to model it in the vein of Midsmar. So like I have bears and flowers and random blood spatters and uh, gravestones and things. So it looks very sweet and innocent, but then there's a real sinister edge to it. And I'm having so much fun. I, I'm just glad that I've been able to kind of you know, even in the most benign of game series, I'm still able to be really dark. That's always fun. I have a summoning circle on my island. Oh yeah, you can. Uh, I named. 
I named my island Sunshine because I wanted to give you the Wicker Man vibes. Where it's like, <laughs> oh, everything is so wonderful. Everything is fine and wonderful on the island. And then as you progress back into it, there's a big summoning circle that has one of the fossil skulls in the middle of it. I, th- I think you've got a picture yeah. of us all oh, in the I summoning circle. You guys. <laughs> Oh, um, but there's a picture of... Very, like, hanging it in, like, cafe corners and fairy rings. It's like, I'm just here, like, yay, you guys are horror movies. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I mean, this is why we have this podcast where we just, um, we just constantly go in way too deep. And and now you're oh, one of us, friend. DJ. I'm here for it. Oh, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm the Um, I have a mild obsession with, like, gothic horror, so... Have a on ground. Um, Good stuff. You, you. We really appreciate you. We really appreciate you coming on to the podcast today. It was an absolute brilliant having you on, and we learned an awful lot. And we really well, hope so we can get me. you on for for further episodes. That was absolutely deadly. Yeah. Yes, please do. I'm more than happy. It was actually super fun being on. Um, I've listened to the podcast since it started, and it's honestly yeah. there. There have been moments where I'm in pain laughing. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about uh, well actually since you are now a podcast expert I have to ask you the question is Ponty Pandy in Wales? (laughs) (laughs) Never surprised me with that name I'll never live that down I swear to god (laughs) Ponty Pandy is in fact in Wales (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um. All right. Well, this is a good place to sign off. Um. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Crackpot Theories. Uh. You can find us on Buzzsprout. You can find us on um Spotify, on iTunes, on all the places where you listen to good podcasts and bad podcasts and just any podcast really. Uh. You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr and um another. Some other places where we are less active than on Twitter and Tumblr, but you can probably track us down somehow. Uh, and we encourage you to do that. We love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. If you ever want to submit a theory, we will give you full credit for it. Um, and yeah, this has been another Crackpot Theory. My name is Sinead, and thanks for joining us. I'm Sarka, and hope to see you again next time. I should sign off. My name's Derek, or DJ, and thank you for having me on. Woo! <laughs> we'll see you again next time. Bye!